As uh, Jenna and I were discussing earlier, um, I am going to be speaking on the second part, looking at how we seek Jesus first for our purpose. And we've been in that series called First. And can I just say thank you for all of your encouraging messages and emails. I'm glad it's been a blessing. Um, and it's really been an intentional uh, decision to say, listen, as we start this year, let's make a decision to say, you know what? I'm going to put Jesus first. And we've been looking at how do we seek Jesus first for our peace. That was the first P that we looked at. As Jenna said earlier, peace that's not based on circumstances, but a peace that is sure and steadfast. How do we seek Jesus for our protection? How do we seek Jesus for our provision? And we've been looking at purpose. And I'm going to actually end the series as well with this talk. So I'm going to try and tie it all up at the end. And next week, heads up. Uh, Richard and I are going to have a, a different type of uh, Sunday. We're not going to have a talk. We're going to have a Q&A and a chat uh, time. So if you've got any questions, and I've had some questions from you, from some of you as a result of this series, if you've got any questions that you would like us to answer, then you can email the office at the Vineyard Church at Cody UK, office at the Vineyard Church Cody UK, and we will answer those questions on Sunday. And of course, uh, you can put in your comments and chats as we talk, and uh, we want it to be an interactive session as we wrap up this first series. Okay, good. Having said all of that, why don't we move on? Let's look at what is our purpose. And this morning's talk is going to be what is our ultimate purpose. Dun, dun, dun. You know that big question of life, why am I here? You know, what is my purpose for existence? You know those big, big questions of life. Well, I mean, the reality is we all have varied purposes, don't we? I mean, as a husband, I have a particular purpose. As a father, I have a purpose. As a, as a friend, as a pastor, we, you know, we all have different purposes. But I want to pose the question this morning to us all, what is our ultimate purpose? When you dig down to it, why are we here? What is our purpose? And you see, here's the thing that we have to get past when we talk about our purpose. Because the issue with looking at our purpose most of the time is that we have got it all the wrong way around. Huh? What do you mean, Mark? Well, you see, we see purpose through the lens of doing. But that isn't correct. You see, that wasn't and isn't God's intention for us. You see, the world will tell you, the world will say that your purpose is defined by your doing. What is the most common question when you meet somebody? Hi, uh, what do you do? Yeah, we've all been there, haven't we? You see, the world's way of assessing your purpose is what you achieve, what you accomplish. And it's not to say these things are unimportant. You know, God creates good works for us to walk in. That's what it says in Ephesians 2. Works are not unimportant, but we've got it the wrong, wrong way around. You see, listen, our ultimate purpose is actually not about doing, but about being. Our God-given purpose is about who we are, not what we do. Let me say that again. Our purpose isn't about what we do. It isn't even about what we do for God. Oh, well, I'm a holy person. I do all this for God and that for God. 
Our purpose, listen, lies in our response for what he has done for us. And therefore who we are in him. And that is what I want to unpack for us this morning. And so what is our ultimate purpose? Let me give you the punchline up front and then we'll unpack it together. It is to worship him. To bring him glory. To be in his presence. To offer all of ourselves. That is our purpose. And it is out of that place that we walk in all that he has for us. It isn't the other way round. You see, if you skip straight to the works without the worship, without the relationship, then listen, you start getting driven out of legalism. Well, I have to do this, that, and so. But you see, works come from that relationship. That's why in James it says, you know, without works, faith is dead. Now, he wasn't saying that your salvation is earned. We know that that is not the case. It is by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. But what James was saying is is that a saving faith will result in good works because they are a fruit of that. And you see, all the stuff that we do comes out of being with him, worshipping him, being in his presence, it then flows. As it's been said, it, offering ourselves is the spring of all our works. I love that. So let's look at this together in a little bit more detail. Why don't you get your Bibles, if you have them, or in your smart device. Uh, we're going to have them on the screen as well, but we're going to turn to the book of Romans Um, Just an amazing uh, letter, amazing book that Paul wrote. And we're going to look at chapter 12. And uh, it's just one verse, and we're going to unpack this verse and see what it says to us today in modern times and see how it is so applicable to us today. Let me read this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves... Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So let's look at this together. You see, Paul is saying here, brothers and sisters... Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, the issue with this is that it presents them and us with a problem out of the bat. Why why do I say that? Because this is the response. Wait, hold on. Wait a minute, Paul. I thought Jesus was our sacrifice. I don't get this. I thought Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice in order that I don't have to. So this is confusing, isn't it? Why why do I have to offer myself as a sacrifice? You see, what does this mean? It is accurate, of course, that Jesus sacrificed himself for us. And that's what we've just been celebrating in in communion. We remember the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. So what on earth is Paul saying here? You know, in order to understand what Paul is saying and therefore what it means for us to be a living sacrifice, because here's the issue. You can read this and think, well, I just don't understand that. And you 
and you walk past it and you miss out on it. We need to understand the place of sacrifice in the old covenant and how it relates to the new covenant. You know, the old covenant of law in the Old Testament that you read before Christ. Why is this important? Because the old and new covenant are linked. You know, it says in Colossians 2.17 that the law, these are shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. You see, rather than the, 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 old test, the old covenant being irrelevant to the new, they found their fulfillment in the new covenant in the work of Jesus. Are you following me? Nod your head if you are. Good. So, some of you are. I'll continue then. And so what I want us to do is if we can fully understand how Jesus fulfilled the old covenant, then we can understand our place in that and understand what on earth Paul is talking about. So let's look at this. Now, uh, if you read the book of Leviticus, which you can do in the Old Testament, then you will find this out. But I'm going to show you what the five uh, main types of sacrifices were in the Old Covenant. Now, there were two mandatory sacrifices and there were three voluntary sacrifices. Did you know that? It was fairly complex. I reckon that I, I might have got myself a little bit confused. I'm glad we don't have to remember all these, but for, you'll see where I am going with this as we unpack it together. So let's look at the first two mandatory offerings. The first one was a sin offering. Now, uh, you can probably guess what this related to is if you sinned against the law, against God, then you would get yourself either a bull or a goat or a dove. It was based on your identity identity, who you were, and your financial situation, you would go and present this to the priest who would then sacrifice that to atone, to pay the price for that sin that you had committed. Okay? That is a mandatory sin offering. Now, given how many times I'm sure I sinned during the day, crumbs, that would have been a lot of rams or bulls. But then the second mandatory offering was the trespass or the guilt offering. Well, what is that all about? It's fascinating. You should read Leviticus. So this was, if you trespassed, if, if you defiled a holy thing, you know, if you stepped into, into the temple in the wrong place or you picked up one of the implements, or the guilt offering was if you had done something unintentional to one of your neighbours, then there would be a sacrifice required for that as well. Um, and uh, once again, you would get your um, sacrifice of choice and you would present that to the priest and they would make the sacrifice on your behalf. So these were mandatory uh, sacrifices that atoned for sin. Okay, you following me? Good. Now, the three other ones then are voluntary. Number one was a burnt offering. Now, this was an act of worship to express devotion. And it wasn't mandatory, it was voluntary. In other words, you could do it as many times as you want or as little as you wanted. But the, the opportunity was there to show the Lord how much you loved him. And you would bring your sacrifice of choice, present it to the priest, etc., etc. Then there was a grain offering, number four. This was about, well, grain. So this wasn't the shedding of blood, this was grain. And this was to express thanksgiving for provision. Did you know that? 
This is when you would say, thank you, Lord, for all that you have provided for me. And it would be accompanied by a drink offering that you'd pour it over. And then the last one was a peace offering. And this was a form of thanksgiving as well, but then you'd follow it up with having a meal with one another, having fellowship. And so this was a sacrificial system in the old covenant. The two mandatory sin offerings and then the three voluntary offerings you would make to express your worship and your thanksgiving. You're probably following. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? Yes. <laughs> and so therefore, why do we need to fully understand this in order to understand what Paul's saying? Well, Jesus came and became, became our sin offering and our trespass offering once and for by the shedding of his blood, as we celebrated earlier, we no longer need to get a bull or a ram because the perfect, spotless lamb was sacrificed on our behalf. You know, Jesus said in his own words in Matthew 5, 17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law. This is what Jesus is saying. The law of the prophets. I have not to come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. You know, we need to understand this. We often approach the Bible and think, well, the Old Testament has got no linkage whatsoever to the New Testament. We often look at this book and say, well, the God of the Old Testament is so different than the God of the New Testament. There is no difference. You see, God did not abolish the law. He didn't say, you know what? He didn't wake up one day and say, you know what? Sin isn't an issue anymore. No sacrifice is needed. It's fine. It's not like he looked at the sacrificial system and said, no, I've changed my mind. Sin's fine. No. He sent his only son, Jesus, to be our sacrifice. And what did Jesus say on the cross as he died? It is finished. He had accomplished all. All of it on the cross. He fulfilled the law. Jesus paid the price for all men. So that every time we sin, we don't have to go and get our animal and go to the temple. Say, thank you, Jesus, that you have atoned for my sin, that you died on the cross for me. And so having that understanding, Paul then says this, Romans 12, 1. He says, brothers and sisters, I urge you, in light of the mercies of God. In other words, therefore, in light of everything I've said from chapters 1 to 11. Read chapters 1 to 11. It's an outworking, it's an explanation of the wonderful sacrifice of Jesus. He says, in light of that, in light of the fact that Jesus became our sacrifice for us, now you offer yourselves as a sacrifice. What? (laughs) In light of the fact that he fulfilled that mandatory sacrifice, now go offer yourselves as that voluntary act of worship. You go and fulfill the grain offering. You go and fulfill the burnt offering. You go and fulfill that peace offering. But not with something dead 
but your whole bodies as a living sacrifice. The fact that he first paid the price for us means that we can respond as we put him first. In light of everything that Jesus has done for us, and in some uh, rendering of the translation, it says, your rational response to this should be worship. Are you excited as I am? Uh, Do we understand this? Paul is urging. He said, listen, guys, I urge you, think about this. In light of what God has done for you, let us worship him. Let us give all of ourselves to him. I think I could just stop the talk there. Thank you very much. But what I want to do is just look very briefly at three things that we can learn from this. Number one, we continue to bring the worship offering. That hasn't stopped We ourselves continue to bring that offering. It says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, Paul says this, so whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, he clearly decided that it would be way, take too long and too much paper and too much ink to write a complete list. And in fact, he could never do so. Do it all for the glory of God. Everything you do, do not put your relationship with Jesus in compartments and say, right, I'll do this bit for God and I'll keep this for myself. Thank you very much. Well, Lord, you're okay to come into this bit, (laughs) but please, if I can just hold on to this, that would be lovely. Thank you very much. I know you saved me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. So I'll give you worship when I feel good. But as long as I, but if I don't feel bad, I'm sorry, you don't deserve the praise. Paul is saying, listen, in light of what God has done for you, in light of the fact that you can spend eternity with God, in light of the fact that you can have relationship with a heavenly father because Jesus shed his blood for us, do everything for the glory of God. Whether you sleep or walk or eat or talk or dance or play or write or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. That's your burnt offering. That's your peace offering. That's your grain offering. That voluntary act. (laughs) You know, I want to tell you this, you know, singing worship songs is not worship if it's devoid of a heart of worship. You can have the best voice ever. And you can sing all the harmonies you want. But if your heart is not worshiping, then it doesn't mean anything. I'm sure I've told you this story before, so forgive me for telling you again. But many, many moons ago, I suspect it was over 20 years ago, I went to a particular church at the time, and I brought a friend along, and um, I was singing, and you know, I I wouldn't say I've got a great voice, but I enjoy trying to bust out some harmonies now and again. And um, I was singing, and uh, there was was, uh, someone in front of me, and uh, bless them, I wouldn't say they had the best voice. I'm being polite here, by the way. And I was getting frustrated. Anyone felt like that sometimes? No, it's clearly just me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Lord, complaining. Can you believe it? Here I am, complaining. Lord, but I want to you know, sing and I can't sing properly. And do you know what the Lord said? He said, yes, Mark, but your, his heart is where yours isn't. <gasps> Oops. What do you think brings glory to God? And that's not to minimize great sounding voices, it's to maximize the importance of our heart in worship. (laughs) You see, 
You can put Jesus first in so many things, but if you leave him out of other things and your heart isn't devoted to him, well, I want to leave that with you. What else we look at? Number two, it's voluntary. You know, our acts of worship and expression of devotion, our thanksgiving and praise, they come from a heart of devotion, but they're, they're, they're voluntary. You know, I think David got this. David in, you know, in the old covenant set up, but he said this in Psalm 51, 16. He got it. He said to the Lord, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. You know, the, the old covenant was a foreshadow. It was, it was not as good as what was coming. It pointed to the need of Jesus. But, but David got it. It was like, you know what, Lord, you're looking for our heart. You're, because they could come and just, hey, here's, here's the dove or whatever it is, and walk away. What, what delights the Lord is our heart and our voluntary act. You know, these sacrifices are mandatory. Let me just say this. You can still be saved but not offer yourself in praise to God. Did you know that? You see, I think this is important to know. You can still be saved and yet not truly worship God. Really? How is that, Mark? Well, you can live your life during the week and say, well, thank you, Lord, you saved me. But you, but you don't make time to worship him and to offer yourselves as an offering to him in worship or devotion or bring him glory. It's not mandatory. It's voluntary. It comes out of making a choice to have a relationship with a God who loves us. Do you understand? You know, Jesus said in, in the scriptures, he said, um, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. We heard that. Can I just say something? This wasn't a threat. It wasn't like, listen, or, or, or a rebuke. It wasn't, listen, if you, if you love me, you will obey me. Now sort it out. No, he said, listen, if you love me, you will obey my commands. In other words, as we walk in relationship with him, we want to obey him. It becomes a fruit. Now, it's not that we always find it easy. And sometimes we don't. It's a struggle. You know, we, this is a, a walk of discipleship. But there is something in us that wants to obey him, even if we find it hard. And number three, what else can we learn from this? He says in the scriptures, uh, Paul says, it is holy and acceptable. Let me just get this out. Let's read this properly. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Why is it holy and pleasing to God? Let me read you this. Hebrews 13, 15. Through him, who's him? Jesus. Then let us continually offer up a sacrifice. There is that word sacrifice. Of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Through him, you see, Jesus has made a way. He is our high priest, right? And so we offer our praises to Jesus, our high priest. And it is through Jesus that we can access the Father. That our praise and our worship is acceptable. Why? Because when Jesus died on the cross, there was a divine exchange. He bore our sin but his righteousness was given unto us. And so when the Lord looks at us, he looks at us as holy and righteous. Not because of what we've done, not because of our so-called good works, but because of the 
perfect, spotless lamb, Jesus, and his perfect works that were imputed to us. Do you understand that? And so why is this important? Because you could have a terrible day and feel like you've been a terrible person and you can still go praising God and enter his presence. You know, one of the things the enemy will love to get you on is saying, well, you can't go and worship and offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. You can't go and praise God. He doesn't want to even hear from you right now. He's ticked off. <laughs> how, how bad were you this morning? You were a terrible father. You should never have shouted in that way. What a friend. You should have called that person. And what happens is we back off and we say, well, God can't be pleased. But listen, we can approach the throne room of God with our sacrifice of praise anytime. <laughs> it says in the scriptures that we can boldly approach the throne of God. Why? Because of what Jesus has done for us. Don't let guilt and shame and condemnation hold you back from offering yourselves as a living sacrifice. And then Paul ends by saying this, this is your true and proper worship. <laughs> your true and proper worship is offering all of yourself. It's not just singing a few songs and then changing and forgetting about God for the rest of the week. It's a lifestyle, it's a relationship of offering all that we are. Now I want to give us an opportunity to respond to this word and indeed this series as we have looked at how we put Jesus first. As I said, we've looked at how we seek Jesus first for our peace, for our protection, for our provision, and for our purpose. And you can go back and re-watch those talks. But I want to ask you a question. How are you going to respond this morning? Is it, oh Lord, yes, please. In light of what you have done for me, in light of the fact that you were my perfect sacrifice, I will offer a sacrifice of praise. If you want to respond with yes this morning, then I'd like to all invite us to stand up. We're going to sing a song together. And as I said to you, singing a song without a heart of devotion is just, it's meaningless. And so as we sing and worship together now, and if you want to respond to this word, you might want to get on your knees. You might want to... Put your hand on your heart. Whatever way you want to respond, let us do so as a people saying, we want to put you, Jesus, first and offer all of ourselves. I'm going to pray and then we're going to worship. Lord, we thank you. You died on the cross for each one of us. Lord, I pray the reality of that would so grip us as it gripped the Apostle Paul that we would urge one another to say, listen, brothers and sisters, in light of what Jesus has done for us, let us offer all of ourselves to him. That is our ultimate purpose. Not about doing, it's about being his child. It's about responding out of what he has done for us. And out of that place, the works will come. But let us not get it the other way around as, and, and get into the trap of legalism. So Lord, would you come now as we respond and as we worship together. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
Yes, Lord Jesus, we surrender all to you.